HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit corin.com. Hello, welcome to Japan Eats. I'm your host, Aki Kotayama, food writer, the director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deep understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are broadcasting live from Brooklyn, New York. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every day on the supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi wame nezakaya, but what exactly are they? The Japanese food is still a mystery for many people, and I try to demystify it in this program with my good guests. And my guest today is Edina Yoshida, the owner of Angel Share in New York. She joined us in episode 165 and shared her unique life story as a daughter of Tony Yoshida, the powerful figure behind New York's thriving Japanese food culture. Now, four years later, she herself is a successful business owner and the leader of the amazing team at Angel Share in Manhattan. And if you're a cocktail fan in New York, you must have heard of Angel Share. Founded in East Village, Manhattan in 1993, the bar was famous for epitomizing classic style Japanese cocktail culture. Unfortunately, in March 2022, the bar was closed due to the financial hardships caused by the pandemic, and many of us thought Angel Share had become a part of the history. But now the bar is celebrating its comeback in the West Village, Manhattan, thanks to Edina. The official reopening date was July 20, 2023. So today we'll discuss the history of the legendary Angel Share, why it was so influential to American cocktail culture, why Edina courageously decided to wield it without her father's support, why she learned from uh, what she learned from the boot camp experience as a business owner in the process of the reopening of the bar, and what you should drink at the new Angel Share, and much, much more. But before you start, Japan is available on the Heritage Radio Network website, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. So please go to iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify, whichever you listen to, and subscribe to Japan Eats. Please write a review. We truly appreciate your feedback. Now, let's start a conversation with Irina Yoshida. Hello, Irina. Welcome back to the show. Hi, how are you? Very nice to be back on the show. 
<laughs> and you didn't expect <laughs> when you come back, you're completely. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm very excited. Thank you. Right. So, so for listeners who have not listened to episode 165, tell us about your background. So, like uh, how you grew up as a Japanese American and your father, who was a major force in building Japanese restaurant culture in New York and much, much more. Uh, sure. Um, so I was born and raised in New York City. Um, I, I grew up downtown and I pretty much went to, um, you know, for Japanese education, I went to Saturday schools out in New Jersey. That's where I was able to maintain um, speaking the Japanese language as well as using it at home. When I was growing up, I also uh, really did visit my my father at his construction site. Um, whether he was opening up a new project at that time or um, eating at um, one of his Japanese establishments that were open when I was younger. Um, so I, I pretty much grew up around the Japanese restaurant, you know, food and beverage culture uh, from an early age in New York. Mm, right. Uh, I can tell. When I speak to you, I, I'm amazed how 50-50 <laughs> your mindset is. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a very um, precious existence in uh, especially Japanese food community. And uh, as I said in the introduction, um, if you're a cocktail fan in New York or even outside the States, you must have heard of Angel Share. So uh, what is the history of Angel Share in East Village, uh, Manhattan? And why did your father create such a unique bar in 1993, which is 30 years ago? Sure, of course. Um, so Angel Share was opened by my father in 1993. Um, at that time, my father, um, Tony Yoshida, really started to open establishments uh, within, especially downtown New York, um, things that he really craved from back home and felt that was not accessible easily. So it ranged from having a sushi restaurant, an izakaya, bakery, a Japanese market as well, and then eventually um, Angel Share the bar. I think what really made him interested in opening that was um, when he was living in Japan, he assumed that prior for him coming into the U- U.S. in 1969, the cocktails were made the way that we know exists in Japan or quote-unquote the Japanese cocktail techniques that we know in the U.S. to this day. Um, When he did come to New York, he realized that the cocktails were not done that way whatsoever. It was more like cocktail, um, the movie with Tom Cruise in it, where it was a lot of free porn with multicolored drinks. Um, And he was kind of taken aback, assuming that the the attention to detail and the techniques was something that he would be able to easily find in New York. And he did not find that. So I think that's where he really started to um, always think about opening a cocktail bar. I think um, for him, it also had to do with timing as well and see what resources were available. Um, And then he eventually was able to open the bar in 1993. Mm. Hey, and your father always has been very creative and very focused and very, um, I think, accurate in communicating the essence of Japanese culture in many aspects. So, yeah, it's just amazing how 30 years sounds pretty long, especially Mm -hmm. in a business 
<laughs> length of business in New York is so short. So it's very impressive. Right. Of course. I mean, you know, now that, you know, I am officially the um, the only sole owner, um, you know, people are like, oh, it's been around for 30 years. And they always ask me how old I was when the bar opened. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I was uh, under legal age. So, um, but it's it's interesting how people are very confused when they hear that I am right. the, the current owner. So. Yeah, so listeners who never met Irina uh, in person, she's such a young, beautiful lady and very slender, almost like uh, you are your mother, like ballerina, kind of like dancer uh-huh. look. So, yeah, so just to be clear, she she's uh, <laughs> the new owner, but it's not the original owner. Anyways, so the original Angel Shares was, uh, Angel Shares was the famous for, um, like I said earlier, epitomizing the classic Japanese style cocktail culture. So... To summarize, if you can, what is the essence of the Japanese cocktail culture that Angel Share wanted to present to the American audience, and which actually did? Mm-hmm. I, th- I think there are um, quite a few factors. I think the first thing that I find us quite unique that you know we definitely did start was introducing kind of like the the way that culinary ranking occurred in Japan, so the apprenticeships per se. So when we have the bar program, we don't hire bartenders. They actually start from the busser position. So they're told to manually wash all the glassware, restock garnishes, be an assistant to the bar back, as well as the bartenders behind the bar, um, and just pretty much, you know, help as much as possible. And that can, you know, really depends on the individual. It could take a few, several years. Um, and then they could become a bar back and then take a test um, and then become a bartender in Angel Share. Um, so that kind of um, kind of steps to in order to become a bartender um, is quite extensive. Um, I think patience is key, which I think is also very embedded in our Japanese culture. And that is very um, that shows at Angel Share. Um, and I, I'm just very happy that um, and amazed that, you know, people are fascinated with Japanese bartending and now that it's just flourished so much in the U.S. and also uh, globally as well. And I think when we go into details, it can really go into the techniques or the attention to detail, uh, the, the bar tools. We use Japanese bar tools and also, you know, the handshake as well, that the, the hard shake. Um, you know, it's a three-piece uh, shaker, uh, which is unique to Japanese-style bartending. That really kind of integrates all the flavors, cr- creates an aeration, and also balances the cocktail creation without over-diluting the drink. So in order to master that, you do have to practice quite a lot because you do not want to even break the ice inside the shaker. You want to be able to aerate it and move it in a very um, balanced flow. Um, but the other thing I did want to say is probably, you know, the, the service of Japanese bartending does have to do with Ichigo Ichie. So it's a terminology where you really don't know when it might be the last time that you'll see the customer or the first, um, but you want to leave a long lasting impression. So 
if the bar is your platform or your stage to perform, showcasing that to your best ability is something that we're very proud of doing. And I believe that, you know, it's not only about how quickly certain drinks get to a table or to the customer. Um, it really is about, you know, making sure methodically how each drink is crafted carefully and well-balanced and executed. So that's why the, the bar um, is the focal point in the new location as well, um, so that every person can take a little glimpse of how they're creating the cocktails. Mm, wow, there's a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, it's uh, well, it's interesting. I know, first of all, you know that training system at the bar really yeah. reflects like um, almost like you know the sushi chef training, like Zero Dreamers of Sushi kind of film. You can witness all those. Um, you have to know the all aspects of the business, but you, you really have to start from the foundational part, which is like you know the sushi restaurant cooking rice. Um, before you even touch fish or even uh, Japanese, what used to be lifetime employment system, you just really Mm -hmm. start from the bottom and then just do everything. And uh, you become the almighty uh, knowledgeable manager at the end of your career. So you can really manage people uh, with understanding of, um, you know, the corporate culture, strategy, everything. So it's just a bar, but it's, I think it's, it's almost like you have this, um, community to manage customers, but you have to know uh, all aspects as a management. And uh, actually, when I went to uh, New Angel Share, I felt that you know there's a responsibility per each bartender. They're watching. They try to manage the whole kind of uh, the stage as a bar. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and also that I think it's very important that um, you know you said ichigo ichie which is uh, the concept coming from tea ceremony. Um, that sounds very uh, opposite to Tom Cruise-style cocktail <laughs> bar. And, <Yes>. uh, <laughs> right, it's just the silence, but silence communicates that you are the focus of the hospitality. So that's why Ichigo um, Ichi, this is the moment I may not see you ever again. So I'll just pay full attention to you and make you happy this evening. Uh, perfect. And the perfect cocktail. So that's a very um, deep Japanese cultural essence. But uh, I think that explains why Japanese cocktail bars tend to be very quiet and um, mm-hmm. kind of serene, sacred kind of place. Yes, definitely. I would say, you know, the the rules that we have at Angelshire as well, kind of is an ode to the fact that cocktail bars in Japan are very intimate, small, and quiet. So for that reason, we have no standing. We have no more than four people. Um, Of course, it is um, a little bit louder, right? Because at bars, especially, you know, elsewhere, you you don't just go alone. You you might want to go with friends um, and enjoy your time there. So it's not as quiet as you would um, expect it to be like the ones in Japan, uh, but at least, um, you know, four is a good number for all the drinks to come out at the same time so that you experience and are presented the, the cocktail um, at the table or at the bar um, simultaneously so that they enjoy their first sip at the same time as well. Mm, right. Okay. And also, um, 
you know, the cocktail uh, technique of the heart shake, mm-hmm. that was uh, invented by, I think, uh, Mr. Kazuo Ueda in Ginza. And uh, I think at one time, I don't know how many years ago, 10, 20, uh, 20 years ago, it was everybody was trying to uh, copy uh, his technique, I heard. Um, so right. basically, um, that specific way to shake um, the, the cocktail shaker, it gets yes. everything more airy because of the way the ice is broken and the ice melts in a way so that it doesn't dilute the cocktails. And like a very, <laughs> I think it's yes. we can scientifically analyze it. It's very, very hard. Um, it's It's really interesting because there's no... Every bartender has their own way of shaking. So it they have different movements of their upper bodies and their hands. Um, but, you know, the execution is what you want, which is um, a very well-balanced drink that is able to aerate and infuse all the flavors together without um, having it be over-diluted by the ice. So that's another thing. The ice is also very important. You want clear ice. Um, you want certain things that won't won't chip easily. Um, cloudy ice will chip easily. So those are little attention to details that really make the cocktail um, the way it is um, once you pour it out of the the shaker. But um, yeah, I would say it's it's always fascinating to me to see the bartenders kind of you know, after they do, before they shake, actually. Um, Of course, we have our own recipes for all the cocktails, but what is important for each individual bartender to do is actually to adjust the the final taste. So citrus, uh, lemon or something could be not as citrus forward, depending on the actual product itself. Um, the simple syrup could be a little bit off. Maybe it might be a little bit sweeter than normal. So doing those small, you know, simple sounding ingredients, but kind of making those small adjustments is what a bartender can do. Um, and it's very hard for, um, people to kind of have that sense and understand, um, that small little changes can really make a huge difference in a cocktail balance. Mm-hmm. Right. Sounds like you're talking about like sushi chef or kaiseki chef or all those attention to extreme details. And it's, it's a, you know, um, it's not just one person's invention, right? It's like everybody tried to improve on somebody else's um, previous course. work. Right? Yep. So. And that's, that's interesting that, yes, it, it does definitely involve, it definitely is teamwork. So the, the final product is by the bartender, but of course there's, you know, it's a whole process purchase the produce, there's um, someone that does the prep, you know, um, makes those items. And then there's a person that checks the quality and then, and then we're good to go (laughs) to Mm -hmm. start making the cocktails for, for night uh, service. So it is a, it is a great teamwork. Um, And, you know, communication is definitely key in making sure that if there are certain things that need to be adjusted, that that's communicated immediately. Mm, right. Um, so, by the way, speaking of the um, teamwork, uh, Angel Share yeah. produced prominent bartenders uh, also in the past. So, could you tell us the uh, graduates, some of the graduates of Angel Share, because they really learned each other, inspired each other, and there you go, they are top of the world. So maybe you can yes, talk sure, about of course. Um, there, there's 
they're they're all amazing, incredible human beings, and uh, so happy that they all have successful establishments of their own. Um, Shingo Gokan is definitely um, one of them. He was with us for ten years. Uh, he has SG Club, Sober Company, um, and also he has a soon-to-open establishment as well. Um, actually close to us um, in the West Village. So we're very <laughs> excited about that. I'm sure he'll um, have more actual um, updates, but yes, we're excited for that. And then um, Shigefumi Kabashima um, is the owner of NR and ROKC, um, as well as Tetsuo Hasegawa. Um, Tetsuo Hasegawa, he's also, um, along with Shigefumi, they're opening a new um, bar in South Africa, actually. So that's also another new news that we have in the Angel Share family, and we're all very excited for that. Um, Jian Chan of Double Chicken Please, Takuma Watanabe of Martinis, um, Alex Sung of George Bang Bang, and Anupas Kong Pranawat in uh, Kubar in Thailand. Mm, those are yes it's it's been it's been global it's been great we're all still very much in touch so it's just really nice that um we have this angel share family Mm. um, that we can always talk to and learn from and i can always learn from as well so right i mean just to um endorsed how great uh, the graduates are. So Jian Chan, uh, who's double chicken please in New York, is ranked number six in the world's 50 best ballers this year. And uh, Shingo Gokan, uh, whose SG club in Tokyo has earned number 14 in Asia's 50 best ballers. So um, it's really serious. It's not like somebody uh, got independent, uh, blah, blah, blah. It's just like a really globally recognized uh, famous uh, Basco, I would say. <laughs> That's ancient yeah. here. Right. Okay, so we'll take a quick break here. And when we come back, we'll dive into the concept of a new angel share and unique craft cocktails that you can you can try. So please stay with us. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese ship knives and restaurant supplies. Koin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant, from French to Pan-Asian to American, and that is why they are located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Koin's Tribeca showroom is home to the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan. Stop by to view the exquisitely designed tableware and the wireless natural sharpening stones. They have a whole range of knife services, from repair and rust removal to reshaping and realigning. Koin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the highest quality Japanese design to your table, so you can experience the unparalleled quality of Japanese craftsmanship in your home or restaurant. For more information, visit koin.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Japan Eats, broadcasting live from Brooklyn. I'm your host, Akiko Tema. My guest today is Edina Yoshida, the owner of Angel Share in New York. She joined us in episode 165 and shared her unique life story as a daughter of Tony Yoshida, the powerful figure behind New York's thriving Japanese food culture. Now, 
She herself is a successful business owner and the leader of the amazing team at AngelShare in Manhattan. So let's talk about the new AngelShare. Uh, first of all, uh, congratulations on the successful reopening. And it's, it's not the small congratulations. I heard a lot about how much you have to go through to make it happen. <laughs> so, so I heard that your father didn't provide any support to re- open the bar, uh, managerially or financially. So how did you decide to reopen and just share by yourself without even previous experience of opening a new bar? Um, you know, I think it really just, you know, the first thing that just came into my head um, was, wow, you know, these all these um, East Village establishments that my father built from scratch, you know, with no partners or anything whatsoever. Um, I really just wanted to do what I could to to save, you know, what I can at that time. Um, and, you know, as I mentioned before, it's, it's what I grew up around and I felt very devastated. Um, so I definitely wanted to continue what he built from scratch. And that really was the first mentality that came into my head. Um, at that time, I, I think, you know, I, I was very close with the angel share team as well. Um, I worked very closely alongside them, um, as well as the Izakaya since that also kind of transitioned during, you know, COVID, doing to-go cocktails, building outdoor dining, um, moving temporarily establishment downstairs, you know, coming up with a a summer um, banner (laughs) to show people that do walk by that Angel Share is downstairs. Um, And then, you know, just kind of transitioning from that to do, be able to do indoor dining, you know, six feet apart, making the uh, partitions, then being told a few months later that we had to close. So it was just a lot of moving parts that I think challenged all of us. Um, and of course, you know, it's not just us, it's everyone that was affected by the pandemic. But this was something that, you know, I think really um, the team kept me sane. And it was to know that I had confidence in the team and I understood their work ethic and, you know, I just didn't want to give up on them. Um, and I also wanted to continue the brand, especially with how much hardship we did, you know, we were able to pivot during that time. So I think that's the reason why I wanted to reopen Angel Share. It was definitely, um, you know, to the, the gutted feeling that something that my father built from scratch, um, I did not want to just not take a chance and try. And also to do something um, with the team that I really grew fondly of. Mm, right. So because you spent a lot of time and worked closely uh, with each other uh, to get yeah. through that COVID-19. So I can, I can imagine um, you passed the hardship of the pandemic and now um you can just close and let it go right so yeah exactly right so it was definitely um you know i didn't really expect you know the closing to happen at all i thought wow we we got through it we got through covid finally and then this happened so i think just kind of being able to pivot the mindset and act quickly was something that i was really able to grasp um, during covid uh, since i did 
change of business model during that time for AngelShare. So I now that I look back, I think that's what really helped me to really be able to um, come up with, um, you know, next steps uh, immediately after hearing that we did have to close. Mm, right. So, and then, um, well, you managed to reopen the bar, but what were the biggest challenges in, in reopening um, share? And uh, what did you learn from conquering these challenges? Sure. Um, so I, you know, I initially wanted to save both uh the izakaya adjacent to AngelShare called Village Yokocho, which was also family owned, um, as well as AngelShare. I, I just loved the contrast between the vibrant izakaya energy and then kind of opening a wooden door and escaping to a quiet classic jazz bar overlooking the bustling streets of New York below. Um, so I was looking for um, Two, two places, pretty much. Uh, the first was, wow, like, what can I do right now? Uh, that was for me to look for a temporary location. Um, but my main goal was to find a permanent location. So I had to really do that simultaneously um, by myself. I, I had no help. Um, so I just went out on the street. I looked online. Um, and I ultimately, you know, I it was hard for me to keep or find a space that really made sense for both concepts to work. Um, it, it was just such a unique setup in the East Village that I really couldn't see it being replicated well. And, you know, when I, when I thought more and more, it just made sense for me to just keep the angel share and the brand. So that's when I had to let go of Village Yokocho. Um, so that was one step. And then kind of looking for temporary permanent simultaneously. Uh, that was also a challenge because a lot of temporary places were not really available. Uh, someone in the industry did reach out uh, saying that they, they knew of places and hotels. Um, so we ended up going into a, um, the Kimpton Hotel for temporary. And that was amazing. Um, you know, we, we stayed there for eight plus months. We're so grateful for the partnership that we were able to have with them, especially during that time. And that, to be honest, kind of bought me a little bit more time to find the right, perfect space for AngelShare. That was pretty hard. I, I looked at 45 places. So, you know, by the time I was looking around, you know, um, it just proved to me that it was better to kind of just walk around neighborhoods because some places were not listed online. Um, so I, I just happened to walk around the West Village. I saw a lot of vacancies around there. And then by chance, I saw the current space that we occupy right now. And I just felt like the the angel share would fit perfectly there. Um, you know, it's historically... You know, it's a historical building, so it has a beautiful exterior. And I knew that, you know, the concept will work um, there. Um, so that's that was like a breather for me to have been able to, you know, find a space that I could really envision myself reopening. Um, you know, I think mentally challenging as well. It was, you know, 
for me to take over such a big brand, I, you know, those that used to work at Angel Share and also for my father as well, I didn't want to tarnish the brand in any way. So to keep the brand and its integrity the way it is was very, very important to me. I didn't want to disappoint them. So that was also a mentally challenging um, part for me. So I, I really, really worked hard to make sure that, you know, the space and everything came together the way that I would feel like they would be happy with. Mm, right. So um, tell us about the new Angel Shares um, uh, location and how do you describe the space and the neighborhood? Uh, sure. So it's located on 45 Grove Street. I love the neighborhood. It's very charming. Um, you know, it's very classic New York. I also love the fact that there are other women-owned establishments on the same street. So Via Carota, Bavette, Barbara Salino um, is all owned um, by the uh, Rita Sodi. Right. So um, our listeners who are outside of New York, like this is West Village, right? So how do you yeah. describe this? I love the area and uh, mm-hmm. I, I think you hit a home run to find the location. So <laughs> what's you. the ambience like, you know, the New York scene? Sure. I, I would say there's definitely a lot of history. Um, you know, the, the West Village area, um, areas that are walkable are very classic, small jazz clubs. Um, other music venues, um, you know, just the, the architecture of the buildings themselves. They have a lot of, um, you know, walk-ups that are very beautiful, townhouses, brownstones. So we actually um, are occupying a landmark building. It's a walk-up. Um, it used to be a mansion and then converted to apartments, um, but it never had a prior liquor license on premises. Um, nor a food or beverage establishment prior. So um, that was definitely um, a challenge going in. Um, but to be honest, I went that far <laughs> to find a place and, you know, raise funds from ground zero and, you know, doing a lot of research and, you know, going through the community board in order to obtain a liquor license. I just kind of was like, I, I just need to, try, you know, and see if I could even get the liquor license there. So um, it it all worked out in my favor, which I'm grateful for the, the support that I had also on the community board and friends and, you know, family that, that have been very supportive of me from, from day one. Um, so it's, it's nice to be in, you know, for Angel Share to be a 30 year old establishment to also occupy a building with a lot of history. Mm, right. So to me, my impression was uh, it looks very different um, mm-hmm. in a good way, kind of. Uh, I don't know. I think, uh, you know, the, the chapter, one chapter closed and the new chapter that you opened has very unique, uh, very, I would say, elegance with mm-hmm. the space and also warmth as before. And it's just amazing. But I'm curious. So the concept of Angel Share seems to be still um, intact, the same as before. But is there anything you changed uh, compared to the original location and the new place? 
Um, I would say, well, definitely the neighborhood is different, um, but I, you know, and it's not located on the second level. This is actually lower level. So you would have to go down a few steps. We do have a waiting room. It's just solely designated to Angelshare. Um, as we're in the past, you had to wait right outside the Izakaya restaurant adjacent to Angelshare. So the waiting room was very important because it allowed customers to kind of already be transported away from, you know, the streets um, outside and be kind of, you know, you're, you're greeted with jazz music already playing from speakers. And um, it, it's just kind of like a, a, a place of like calm and serenity before we open the door into the main space. And I wanted that surprise factor as well, especially for people that have never been to Indelshire or um, still right now, maybe they haven't seen the new location just yet. But the surprise factor of the fact that we still have our original mural hanging, you know, at the bar and before it hung above the bar, but now it's flush behind the bar. So people can really see a lot of the, the history the paintings went through. It definitely went through a lot of, you know, a few chippings, um, you know, some, you know, it's aging with us per se. Mm. Um, so that's something that um, along with other things I was able to kind of bring from the old location. Right. And uh, of course you are still working with the original partners um, the competent and talented partners, and also no standing at the bar is uh, the famous policy, right? <laughs> yes. Right. Um, yeah, no standing, um, no more than four people, um, no split parties. Um, people, people do ask about why no split parties. Um, the reason is it, it does become kind of a gathering, even though, you know, it is split you will eventually meet at some point within the premises of the bar. And it just kind of distracts from um, what we want to um, convey at the bar, which is kind of just a calm um, bar space with no standing um, and no, so no standing meaning no, no drinking allowed while standing. So um, those rules are definitely still intact. Um, and then also just to respect everyone <laughs> is also, uh, we do have this, uh, the rules kind of printed out in the waiting room before you enter in the main bar space. So you'll be able to see that right before you open the door. Mm, right. It sounds somewhat restricted, but you totally, as a guest, get the benefit out of it. So yeah, it's a win-win for guests and, uh, you know, and just share, I think. So, and new menu at the new location features uh, almost 30 different uh, unique craft cocktails. So could you tell us about it and uh, the menu with some uh, examples? Sure. Um, you know, we we have a few from the old location. Um, some people might recognize it if you happen to Indelshire before. We have the cheek to cheek, the flirty bird and smoke at dinner eyes. Um, everything else is um, new. So a few standouts from my um, from my perspective are um, I really enjoy the the painted paradise. Um, that is a clarified milk punch. So it is clear in um, a brandy glass on the rocks, and 
It's fig leaf infused Ichigo Saiten. Um, Ichigo Saiten is a shochu um, that has higher proof than normal. And it has jasmine, um, also honeydew, lemon, pandan milk. Um, I, I believe you've tried this one, correct? The last time you were yes. at um, Indelshire? Absolutely. I really <laughs> like I was very impressed. Yeah, I mean, I have yeah. to say, you know, like there's so many different ingredients and I could imagine, but once I um, had a sip, wow, this mm-hmm. is something else. I never had this, you know, my image cocktails tend to be um, very strong and you get the buzz and uh, mm-hmm. it's just a huge um, kind of, kick in your mouth but it was mm-hmm. so subtle and kind of waves of subtle flavors you can mm-hmm. tell each ingredient is there it's right. not like a big alcohol um, mix mm-hmm. and uh i it was a very new idea of cocktails to me mm-hmm. and it's interesting um because ichigo saiten is actually 43 percent abv so it's higher you know than the normal um shochu so the fact that there isn't that it's just so well balanced um and you also get the floral notes and the fruit notes from the honeydew and it complements the the shochu as well because it does have aroma of honeydew so i think um that definitely is something that is unique and i think many have not had a milk punch like this one so mm-hmm. i would say that's definitely one of my one of my go-tos um, and then fever is also a great one. It's, um, it's using a Greek, um, vodka that's infused with olives and it has uh, fresh strawberry, apple, maple, uh, balsamic vinegar, lemon, and it's, uh, topped with soda. And then on top of that, there's a Parmesan and olive brine foam with black pepper. So you can kind of imagine it as a, more of a, a fruit, you know, summer kind of salad per se, but it does have that element of savory notes, you know, the the, the vinegar citric aspect of it from the balsamic, um, the foam with the Parmesan and the olive foam with the black pepper just kind of gives a whole different complexity uh, that makes it really enjoyable for people that usually, you know, are hesitant to try cocktails per se if they do not want something that's sweet. Um, so this one's um, ones that are, you know, something that, you know, when you read this description, you wouldn't know what to expect, but it is very um, refreshing for sure. Mm, right. And uh, your menu is divided by uh, different kind of base spirits like rum, shochu brandy, um, Gin, vodka, whiskey. And it's, it's easy to pick, but it's hard to <laughs> really narrow down because it's so unique and everything's so lightly, um, sophisticatedly balanced, I have to say. So, no, yeah, I, I would say, you know, what, what we get a lot of is, you know, people read the ingredients and, you know, they always want more detail to see how we would describe it. And we're, we're really happy to have that conversation with customers because we we know exactly what the cocktail drink is. And perhaps, you know, it's hard to imagine what the actual final product is, but after the explanation, they kind of get to sense what exactly they are. Um, so that's that's the that's the fun part is to be able to interact with the 
the guests and to be able to let, you know, see the reaction after they have it, you know, after they decide to drink something that mm-hmm. um, you recommend them depending on their um, flavor profile. Right. Well, actually, uh, for example, that painted paradise, you like, I love. <laughs> so so uh, <laughs> I said something slightly cinnamony and I asked the bartender and he said it's a uh, fig infused Japanese shochu, mm-hmm. that's it, saiten. And yes. uh, how, how do you know that fig leaves can release that kind of cinnamony, beautiful flavor? And it was not hidden. You know, there's so many elements in the in the glass, but I was mm-hmm. very impressed by that subtlety, but kind of like a strong voice in the glass. Mm-hmm. I think for, you know, the bartenders, so much, um, you know, research, you know, they do a lot of research and development and that really goes from exploring different ingredients, different spices, seeing how they work together, um, even getting influence, you know, uh, let, you know, one of the bartenders, he, He's done some guest shifts in different countries as well. And to grasp knowledge from those countries and to be able to advocate it to, you know, drinks here is is great. You know, we want to, you know, be able to experiment and learn and try different things and to showcase that through the the drinks that they are able to make is, is great, you know, to share that with everyone that comes to Angel Share. Mm, right. So um, now I heard that uh, uh, New Angel Share has been already very busy since day one. So what's the best way to get a seat? Because you don't take any reservation, right? We, yes, we do not. Um, we, we did, um, do a little bit of, you know, like a waitlist um, application at the beginning just to see how it worked. And it didn't really work as smoothly as we wanted to. So then we reverted back to um, physically waiting in line, um, which also has been working quite, you know, quite well at the moment. So usually people come early um, right when we open, which is at 5 in the prior location, we open from 6 p.m. So I think five is a good time because when you when you do see the neighborhood, there are definitely people being out and about. And that's also perfect for a pre-dinner drink. And we also see um, also post-dinner clientele as well. Uh, and of course, the majority is kind of in the middle. Um, but definitely coming early <laughs> around five when we open the doors, um, and, you know, weekends are definitely um, busy, but Sundays um, tend to be a slightly quieter night. Um, but right now it's still kind of hard to tell because it still hasn't been a year since we opened. And I kind of want to go through all the seasons to see how things will be. But mm-hmm. at the moment, as of now, th- that's... Um, that's probably the best way to get a seat. <laughs> mm, right. Or oh, it's definitely worth waiting. So, and also yeah. what are you waiting? Yeah. Uh, you can think about which one to have. So yeah, it's and yeah. the space waiting room is beautiful too. So yeah. Thank okay. <laughs> and uh, so um, it's a slightly different angle of who you are. So you are the New York Japanese Restaurant Association's uh, new youngest board member. So what's the mission of the organization and what is your mission as a board member? 
Sure. So um, New York Japanese Restaurant Association, uh, NYJRA, you know, it, it really is an association to spread awareness of uh, Japanese food and culture in the U.S. Um, so whether it be um, through research, uh, promotions or cross promotions with Japan and the, you know, different prefectures in Japan um, or providing resources and education, uh, those things are just pretty much facilitated uh, through the association. And we we have meetings to really discuss topics that would really help the restaurant and bar industry that is located here in New York um, that are Japanese. And, you know, we hope that that will also help with just anything, whether it be learning new culinary techniques or um, understanding all these, you know, new regulations that do get imposed um, here in New York, and you know, just understanding the laws that have that we have, and um, you know, be able to kind of just be like a help center as well, and to uh, be a resource that anyone can really rely on. Um, that's, that's pretty much the mission. So, you know, it really is all about spreading awareness of, um, Japanese culture and food and beverage at the end of the day. So that is what our mission is, um, here in New York. Mm, right. And, uh, I mean, the, the members are diverse. So as a youngest member, I, I think, um, your generation, uh, have seen a lot not just Japanese food eaten by Japanese expatriates. It's more like global food. So do you have any um, purpose, uh, mission you have as a young uh, Japanese-American entrepreneur? Yes, I think, you know, being born and raised in New York, I, I definitely am a New Yorker. And to understand my Japanese culture and my background as well, I think is really um, vital for me and to be able to spread this awareness to younger um, generations as well, I think would be my mission. I, I feel that I do know, you know, non-Japanese establishments as well as Japanese and hopefully I can just help spread um, and facilitate um, the Japanese awareness that, you know, this organization is trying to do. So that is my goal. If I can even help in any way, that's all, that's all I can do. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I definitely am, you know, learning as well a lot. So it's great to kind of, um, I'm very honored to be part of this um, board member and community and be able to, you know, be part of something where we can really change things for the future of the Japanese food and culture scene here in New York. Mm, right. Um, the more Japanese food becomes popular and people think um, people understand Japanese food, but even for Japanese people, including myself, there's so much. And uh, like you're learning about how Japanese cocktail culture is different from 
American one, all those things, like there's no end and it's really fun. So I think the New York Japanese Restaurant Association can help us to actually understand um, what Japanese food is, what's making Japanese food Japanese food. So, yeah, good luck with uh, your new <laughs> responsibility. Thank you. So, uh, so what are your plans and dreams? Uh, can be long-term, short-term, or your personal or professional, all of them? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I'll definitely, you know, I... I'm always thinking of the next thing. So I'll definitely want to do something in the next few years for sure. Um, whether it be um, food or beverage related or culture related, but I do know that it will be Japanese related. Um, and, you know, I think once I do have more of a solid plan, I'll, I'll be, I'll be able to announce it. But right now I'm kind of in the creative mindset at the moment to see, um, what I am able to do. So, um, yeah, well, well, you know, doing angel share and, um, making sure that I see all the, the four seasons <laughs> mm. since the new opening. Right. Okay. So keep me posted. And when you're ready to share, you can come back and talk here. <laughs> that sounds great. Right. So, uh, so where can we find your updates online and on social media? Uh, sure. So, um, Angel Share um, um, and myself, we we have Instagram um, for Angel Share. It's A N G E L S S H A R E N Y C. Um, that is probably the best place to get the most recent updates. Um, pertaining to the cocktail bar. Um, and then I, I have my own personal, um, which is Arena Yoshida, my name, and then an underscore. Awesome. Okay, I'll hopefully watch what are you going to do next. So looking forward to it. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. I'll definitely keep you updated. Okay, so yeah, and then congratulations again. And uh, I think you need uh, some vacation at this point. So. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. So listeners, if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for show topics or guests, please contact us at japaneets at heritageradionetwork.org or at kikotema.com. And uh, Japanese is the weekly program and is always available at heritageradionetwork.org as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. Engineer is Amin Spenjan, and thanks for listening. I will see you next week. Japan Eats is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.